by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well, today's message is entitled, Why Do I Feel So Vexed? <laughs> You're probably thinking, oh, here he goes. What, what in the world? Where has he pulled that word out from? Vexed. V-E-X-E-D. Vexed. Say vexed. <laughs> but I think you know what that word implies, at least. If you don't, I, I found uh, in dictionary.com a definition for you, a couple of definitions. The first one is it means irritated. You may have woke up irritated this morning. You may be looking at me irritated because there he goes again. <laughs> Annoyed. Annoyed. The second definition is much discussed or disputed. Vexed. Man, I, we're just talking about this all the time. It's getting on our nerves, right? It's annoying me and irritating me. And the third one, I like this, tossed about as waves. Tossed about. I just feel tossed about. <laughs> Am I hitting a nerve somewhere? Because listen, I believe all of us Christians are feeling a little vexed today. <laughs> to some degree in this nation, I don't know how you cannot be feeling a little vexed because let's face it, we're getting upset. We're getting irritated and we're getting annoyed. Right? Am I telling the truth <laughs> or am I just up here preaching? And we're always talking about it. We're rehearsing it. We're talking about politics. Man, that gets boring. We're talking about the latest terror attack. We're talking about the latest fad of the world, the latest sin that they've run to. We're talking and we're rehearsing the things of this world all the time. Much discussed and disputed. It's starting to feel like there's no solid ground anymore. I used to, you know, when I, when I grew up, I kind of knew what to expect. But now, it seems like there's nothing sacred in America anymore. There's nothing holy. There's no line that we won't cross. And so, obviously, Christians are going to feel what? Vexed. I didn't make this word up. It's in the Bible. I'll show you. <laughs> we feel tossed about with waves of uncertainty. Don't you? What? <laughs> What could possibly happen next? We don't know. But we know it probably is going to be worse than the last thing that happened because this world is in such turmoil. Only I would probably show a cat video at church. But I'm going to show you a cat video. Can there, is there something to be learned from cat videos? I hope so, or else I wouldn't be showing this. But I'm going to show you a cat video. You may have already seen it. This cat is watching a horror movie. <laughs> okay? This is, what, this is what I picture Christians looking like every day as they look at the news, all right? <clears throat> Roll that beautiful bean footage. 
He's watching the TV, you see. How many feels like they want to jump up out of here? <laughs> it's like, what's going to happen next? And I'm just waiting for the scream, and I'm gone. I'm waiting for that trump, and I'm gone. The trump of God. That's what I'm looking for. Is it wrong to feel vexed in America today? Is it wrong? <laughs> I think it would be odd if we didn't feel a little vexed. Because I, it's like we're living in Sodom and Gomorrah here. If it gets much worse, I think the Lord's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah that he hadn't hit us with burning sulfur yet. I mean, it's bad. It's bad. Is this the new normal? That's what we're asking ourselves. Is this the new normal? If you didn't feel vexed before you got here, I hope you do now. <laughs> I have done my best to get you vexed. <clears throat> Turn to 2 Peter, chapter 2. No. I just want you to see the truth for a moment so that we can see what God would say about it, how he's going to get us out of this. 2 Peter, chapter 2, verse 7. It said, But God also rescued Lot out of Sodom, because he was a righteous man. God knows how to reserve those for punishment. And he knows how to rescue those that are his. All right, we can be assured of that, right? God will bring the righteous out. Because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality. He was sick of it. And the King James says he was vexed. He was vexed by the wicked people around him. Verse 8 says, Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul. King James? Vexed. Come on, help me out now. King James? Vexed. He was vexed by the wickedness he saw and heard. He saw and heard day after day. After day, after day, oh my goodness, we know Jesus is coming back. We know he's going to rescue us. We know we're going to leap out of here like that cat, right? But what do we do in the meantime? How do we keep some sense of sanity? That's on your sheet, the question. How do you keep your sanity in the meantime? Does anybody know the answer? It hadn't changed. We guard our heart. We have to guard our heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, 
guard your heart above all else. It makes it sound like it's the most important thing when you say above all else to me. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Where you're headed. Is it going to be a bumpy road? Is it going to be a smooth road? Is it going to be hilly? Up and down. Is it going to be an incline? Is it going to be a decline? It determines the course of your life, what you're putting in your heart. You say, well, I thought I had a rib cage for that. It protects my heart. Guards my... No, we're not talking about this muscle that's in there going boop, boop, boop. We're talking about the essence of who you are, your soul, your spirit, the, the person that you are. And it's, you know what it is? It's like a garden. It's, it's your soul. And what's being planted in there is the seeds that come through your eyes and the seeds that get in through your ears. What you see and what you hear. It's putting seeds in the soil of your heart. And some of us are letting bad seed in. And every seed is going to produce after what? Its own kind. When that bad seed gets in there, it grows up weeds in our heart. Okay, so you come to church on Sunday and you, maybe on Wednesday and you're reading your Bible every now and then and you're putting good seed. Oh, that's great. You got wheat growing. You got a harvest of good things. The fruit of the Spirit is being produced. But some of it is being choked out by those weeds that we're letting in there. It's so important that we guard our heart, especially now in this hour that we're living because the temptation to just let go and join in and do whatever everybody else is doing is so great, greater than ever before. We're seeing things that we never thought we'd see. I would have never watched someone get shot 20 years ago. Nobody would show a video of it. People are watching people get beheaded. I haven't gone that far. I, I can't watch that. They're seeing graphic images daily. Our children are playing video games where all this is happening. And so I can physically feel myself being desensitized. My conscience even, being numbed to these ungodly images and visuals, to killing, death, violence of all manner. And it's just becoming commonplace. And it is vexing my soul. And I know it is yours too. Because on the internet there's things besides cat videos. And we're just coming in there in the eye gates, listening to, coming in the ear gates, planting in our hearts. Say vexed. Michael Hyatt, he says, if your heart is unhealthy, it threatens everything else. Family, friends, your career, he doesn't even mention your calling. He says, if we lose heart, we have lost everything. If we lose our heart, we have lost everything. It is the center, the core of who we are. It is your character. Some say, well, you know, I can take it. You know, it doesn't bother me. I was in Vietnam or, or whatever, you know. 
It doesn't bother me. I watch that. I, I'm an EMT. You know, I see blood and guts. It doesn't, it, uh, well, I, I believe you. I believe you're the, you're the one that can handle it. I believe you. But, but God has given us a better heart meter reader. He's given us a better indication than just taking your word for what is in your heart. It's your mouth. What your mouth is saying is declaring the, the spiritual state of your heart. Do you believe me? Turn to Luke 6.45. Luke 6.45. Is anybody seeing where we're going with this? Am I hearing from God going in this direction? Do we need this in this hour? Do we need to be reminded of some things? You may have heard it before. You probably, probably could preach it. But God knows that we leak. We hear it and we do it for a couple of weeks and then we, it leaks all out and then we need to be told again. Just like your children. You don't spank them one time and never have to spank them again, do you? You beat them every day. No, you don't. Don't beat them. That, I don't know where that came from. Out of the abundance of the heart. Don't get to my scripture before I get there now. She knows what she, she, she's heard this message. Luke 6, 45, a good person. How many wants to be a good person? <laughs> Hopefully every hand went up. A good person produces good things. A tree shall be known by its fruit, right? Because it's going to produce after its kind. Whatever seed is in there, it's producing. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. Your heart is your treasury. <laughs> what, what are you storing up in your treasure? What, what, are, what do you treasure is what's in your heart. Do you treasure cat videos nonstop? <laughs> then your heart's full of cat videos. It's your treasury. It's what you treasure. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And here's where we were getting to. What you say flows from what's in your heart. It's your heart meter reader. Well, you, you know, we can come in here and we can say a all the right things, and nobody can tell what's going on because we can, we can control our mouth for an hour. But what are we saying behind closed doors? What are we saying to ourselves when nobody else is around? It, it, it's, it's reflecting what you've allowed into your heart. Hatred for a certain person or a certain kind of people or, you know, things that are not of God are coming out of our mouth I, the one I struggle with is speaking, I, I, I had to apologize to Josh this morning, speaking evil of our dignitaries. Not praying for them, just talking bad about our leaders because of this crazy decisions they're making. Oh, there I go again. Sorry. But what's in my heart? I, 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 we need to watch what's coming in our heart. What have we been saying? I can preach five weeks on loving your neighbor, you know, and then go home and watch the news for five minutes and want to call down fire from heaven on everybody. That shouldn't be. We shouldn't say one thing in church and, and say something else at home. James 3.10 says, And so blessing and cursing pouring out of the same mouth. 
Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? What's coming out of our mouth is a major indicator of what's in our heart. And you know what? I didn't find this one in the Bible, but I found another indicator of what's in your heart. So what is your computer and your cell phone saying about you? What kind of pop-ups are you getting? You know, I went to buy a lawnmower about three months ago. I'd done some search on the computer, which one I should get, looking at the features and the price and so forth. Did a little shopping online. Every time I get on the computer, there's a pop-up for a craftsman. There's a pop-up for a John Deere. There's a pop-up for a Husqvarna. How did that computer know that I was looking? The computer knows. Hey, parents, your, your kids may say, hey, I'm not looking at anything bad. Get their cell phone for a minute and go on the Internet and see what kind of pop-ups are coming up. Okay? And I want to say, if the devil knows, if the world knows, if a computer knows what you're looking at, what you're interested in, what's in your heart, don't you think God knows? Just another indicator. Just another indicator. Even the computer is telling off on us. <laughs> it's got bad out there. Now more than ever, we've got to guard our heart. We can't be double-minded. You know what I mean? We can't be double-minded. There's too many Christians that's already become double agents. Thinking, you know, well, I... Since I got God's grace, I got a license to sin. That's what they're teaching in a lot of churches. You know, Paul dealt with that 2,000 years ago. Should I sin that grace should abound? He said, God forbid. But we, we think we have grace, and so we can do what we want to. And then just ask for forgiveness, and we're good. But is that the real kind of relationship that you want to have with your Lord and Savior? James 1.8 says a double-minded man who thinks like that is unstable in all his ways. And it goes on to say, let that man think that he, don't let him think that he should receive anything of the Lord. You just want to give up all your blessings? Because you want to ride the fence? Don't ride the fence. Don't see how close you can get to the edge of the cliff. See how close you can get to the arms of Jesus. See how close. I'm telling you, it's much better. Boy, I've, I've been in the arms of the devil. It's sickening. Doesn't do anything for you. Momentary pleasure, maybe, with a hook. Death coming. See how close you can get to God. See, Jesus is where there's pleasures Forevermore. He told us a parable along these lines. He said there were ten virgins, and uh, they were waiting on the bridegroom to come. And while they were waiting, now I want you to notice they're virgins, and they're waiting on the bridegroom. So that kind of 
gives me imagery of a Christian waiting on Jesus to come. I don't know what, it, what the parable means to you, but that's the way I see it. you got ten virgins, and five of them are foolish, and five of them are wise. Five of them are keeping their oil in their lamp. They're filled with the things of God, the anointing of God, the Spirit of God. They're filled with the things of God, and their light is burning bright, and they're looking for the coming of the Lord. But those other five foolish have sought the things of the world and they have let their lamp go out. Their light is not shining. There's no oil. There's no Spirit of God moving through them at all. And they have become spiritually bankrupt. And it says, the Lord came at an hour that they knew not. And those five that were ready went. And those five that had compromised They were left outside, couldn't get in. And that's what the devil is trying to do to the church. He wants you to, to be so vexed that you just give up and you side and you compromise. Say, everybody else is doing it. What if Noah would have said that? <laughs> Nobody else is building the ark. I'm not going to either. There wouldn't be a, none of us left. What if any of those great men in the Bible would have said, I'm just going to be like everybody else? I'm just, this is the way society is. We just mold with the way the world's going. Tossed by this way. This is the new, newest fad. We'll go with that, okay? What's next? Is that the way we live, or do we stand on a rock? Do we have a sure foundation in Jesus Christ? Yes, we do. We shall not be moved. What's the devil's strategy, do you think? Is it something new? Man, has he come up with something new? He's too stupid to come up with anything new. It's the same old plan to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your peace and your joy. He wants to kill your relationship with God, destroy your family, destroy your family values. He wants to thwart there's a big word for you. He wants to thwart any attempts that you ha might have had at following your calling. Do you know how many few, how few Christians today are actually in their calling, even know that they have a calling, even concerned about it, what God wants at all? I'm vexed. The devil wants to numb our consciences to these things. So that we say, okay, I've seen that before. Might as well watch it. And, and what happens? I've seen that before. I've done that before. Once you've done it, once you've seen it, you begin to go a little deeper. Because sin is never satisfied. Give me, give me, give me. Give me more. It's going to pull you deeper the moment you compromise with him. We're like a city with no walls that are broken down, and the devil can run in and roughshod anytime he wants and kill and pillage and steal from us and destroy us. He wants to confuse your ideas of the truth. He's got these spinsters out there that they can talk real, real smooth, and they can take the truth and twist it any way they want. They rewrite the Bible to suit themselves, and they use it against God himself. And the devil tries to, his, his main strategy 
and always has been to try to divide and conquer. To divide and conquer. To divide us along lines of race, gender, political affiliation. To begin to see people as label them this or that. And we don't see them as human beings that Jesus died for anymore. We just see them as a group that doesn't believe like I do or doesn't look like I do. What's Ephesians 6.10 says, Put on God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all those strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. I've been preaching on that so strong lately. Every time I turn around, that's what I see in the world. We're turning on each other like we're the problem. Some of us are, yes, they're, they're being driven by evil spirits, but they themselves are not the problem. It's the spirits that's driving. We can't hate the people. We hate the sin. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers. Authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Say that, evil spirits in heavenly places. You might say, dark forces in the air. You might say, the airway. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? Do you know in this very room it's permeated with things in the airwaves? How do you think my voice is coming through that speaker? I'm speaking into this. There's a transmitter here, and it's transmitting through the airwaves to that receiver back there. And it's plugged up to the speakers. It's called wireless. Same technology that you use to broadcast AM, FM, to broadcast television shows, satellites all surrounding the earth as we know it, sending out messages in the airwaves. Some of them good can be used for great good. But some of them is where the dark forces of evil reside. So, what airwaves are getting your attention? What evil spirits in the heavenly places have interrupted this broadcast? To bring you breaking news from hell. CNN? Is that your airwave of choice? Constant negative news? Facebook? Some good cat videos. But what do you have to go through till you get there? Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and something new called Pokemon. Pokemon, mine. Josh hit that hard this morning. 
as he pulled out his phone and started collecting them. He said, he said whole nations are falling around us, and you got grown people in traffic jams, grown people jumping out of their car chasing imaginary Pokemons. I'm not saying it's evil. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, is that really what we need to be doing right now? Really? I mean, their age, maybe. <laughs> they got time on their hands. I wouldn't do it. What are we letting color our heart? Because what comes in our eyes, what goes through our ears, it's planting seed. And many times, these airwaves are just robbing us of our joy. The thing that we long for the most, peace and joy, we're getting robbed. Say, I'm getting robbed here. I'm vexed. The devil's trying to turn me into a human robot. Have you been to... Out to eat lately, and you see a family of four, they finally gather together once a year to eat together, and they're all, really? And you almost didn't notice because you was over there. <laughs> I'm not lying here. All of us, to some degree, have traded this real life that God wants us to live for this virtual reality that the devil is, is trying to turn us into robots. He doesn't want us to think for ourselves. Do you know what's going on in our higher levels of it, learning institutions today? Don't think for yourself. If you think for yourselves, we'll give you a bad grade. You think what we tell you to think. How dare you mention the name of Jesus in one, one of our schools? But you say, the pastor, I'm hooked. I try to put it down. I try to turn off the TV. I try, I try to cut off my phone, but I can't. It's, I'm, I'm hooked. In fact, Pastor, I'm, I can't wait till you quit so I can get back on Facebook. And I know, I know, I know what you're going through. I'm struggling with the same things that you are. It is addicting. But God's children are not called to be addicted. What do you do? What do you do? Well, you listen to what the Lord would have to say. In Matthew 5, 29, he says, So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. That's what you wanted to hear, ain't it? I didn't say it. Jesus said it. He said, It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And even if your hand, your strong hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Say, cut it off. And throw it away. Even if it's your swiping hand or your typing thumbs. It didn't say that in the Bible, but I think it's implied. So if, if Fox News is causing you to sin, cut it off. Just an idea. <laughs> if your phone is vexing you, 
Throw it away! I wanted to see what kind of response I'd get on that. It's the last time I'm going to that church. <laughs> but seriously, nothing is more important than guarding your heart. Stephen Furtick preached a message called Death by Distraction. I think we showed it on a Wednesday night. Good message, Death by Distraction. He said there's an ancient form of French torture that they had developed where they would take a guy and they would tie a rope around one arm and then they would tie another rope around another arm, one on this ankle and one on this ankle, and then they would tie all four ropes to four different horses. And them horses would take off in opposite directions and pull this man limb from limb. And the French called that distraction. His arms were distracted. His legs were distracted. He went in different directions. And that is what the devil is trying to do to us. He is trying to distract us to death. The last thing he wants you to do is have focus. To know that you are here with a purpose. He wants you distracted at every level. We're being pulled apart and we're, we're suffering death by distraction. Say vexed. Philippians 4.8. Let's turn there. Philippians 4.8. It says, and here's the key word. I think this is on your sheet. It says something, but then it says, fix. Say fix. Fix, fix your thoughts on what is true. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. The devil is trying to split you in every direction, and God wants you fixed. He wants you firm. He wants you standing on the rock, not moved, not moved by what you see and hear and all the other things that are vexing the world. He wants you to set your face like flint and stand for the righteous cause of Jesus Christ. He wants you to take up your cross and follow him. There was, I know you've heard this story. I'm going to tell it again. There was this man, his young boy came to him and said, Dad, can you give me some money to go to the movie this afternoon? And the dad was pulling his billfold. He said, well, what movie are you going to see? He goes, so-and-so movie. He said, what's that rated? He said, well, it's rated R, dad, but, but it, it just has a little cussing in it. And I looked it up. It says it's just mild nudity, but that's it. It's not really bad. It's not. It's not. And he just he, he gave his best plea for his dad to give him the money. And the dad says, let me think about this, son. He said, uh, I'll talk to you before you go this afternoon. Well, it was time for the son to come back and see if he was going to get that money and get that ride to the movie theater. His dad had a plate of brownies. He said, here, son, if you'll eat one of these brownies, I'll take you to the movie. 
Right, right away, the boy was skeptical. Okay, Dad, what, what's the deal? What's wrong with those brownies? He says, nothing really wrong with it. it it's mostly good. I, I just put a little doggy do from the backyard in it. Just spread, just a, it wasn't much. It's just a little. You know, it, it didn't taint the whole thing. It's just, but, but would you eat the, the brownie? Of course, the boy's not going to eat the brownie. I had one of my... I had my, one of my kids, I think it was, I can't remember which one, I think it was Kaylee. She did the same thing. I was dropping her off at the movies for their friends, and I was late before I even asked the question, what, what movie are you going to see? She told me it was some kind of horror movie or something. I said, oh, ho, ho. No, 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 you ain't going to see that. She goes, please, Daddy, my friends are already there. We've already, we're all, we're all going. I can't stop now. You've already brought me here. She, and she's very persuasive, if you know Kaylee. And I said, I said, Kaylee, no, no, you, I can't. Let, that's terrible. You, you're letting fear and all these th things be planted. It's the worst thing you could do. I mean, that's going right into the devil's workshop to let him create something specially to haunt you. She said, please, please, Daddy. And I thought, okay, let's put an end to this, not just for this time, so, but let's put an end to it all, for all times. I said, Okay, Kaylee, I will let you go to this movie. And when it's over and you come home tonight, if you agree that you'll s spend five minutes in the backyard out in the pavilion in the dark by yourself for five minutes. Oh, well, that's no big deal. Sure, sure. I said, but if you won't spend five minutes in the dark after you watch this movie, you promise you'll never go to another horror show. She said, oh, I, that's fine, that's fine. I got to go, Daddy. Okay, bye-bye. And she run off. When she came home, I said, you, it's time to go out to the backyard. No, Daddy, I can't go. She couldn't even sleep at night. She had the light in her room on. <laughs> if, if you've done that, if you've allowed your children to watch things, and I have, and we get... We, as parents, we get beat down and we allow them to do things that they ought not. But don't give in to it. Keep fighting. Look, if we allow the devil to, like I said, craft something specifically to bring fear into your life, perfect love casts out fear. It doesn't welcome it in. Please. Our children have enough fear to deal with on their own. Maybe, I mean, I understand you can look at it a different way. You know, it's just a horror movie. It's funny. They've got funny parts. and There's all kind of way. I looked at them. It didn't bother me. No, it did. It did. I promise you. Uh, King Saul, I remember, that man was tormented. He was king of all Israel, but because he was disobedient, he even dabbled in the occult. You remember, at one point, he went to a soothsayer or a fortune teller or something, tried to get Samuel's ghost pulled up from the dead. I mean, this guy just, he just allowed things that ought not be into his life. And it says that he was tormented. And in 1 Samuel 16, 23, it says, Whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, and let's stop right there. Somebody said, a tormenting spirit from God? I didn't write the Bible. It says right there, a tormenting spirit from God. 
Can God allow or even use a tormenting spirit if it's going to help you to learn your lesson? You be the judge. It says right there, a tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul. And it said, but David would play the harp. Then Saul would feel better and the tormenting spirit would go away. What songs do you think David was probably playing? Was he playing something from Rock 103? Or Kicks 106 or whatever stations y'all have? I believe he was playing straight from the songs that he had wrote to God. You know, that's what the book of Psalms is, songs written down for us to read. That's what a psalm is. I believe he was on that harp singing about God singing about the Lord, and it was driving that vexation spirit, that, that evil, tormenting spirit, it drove it right out of Saul. And Saul, that's why David came to power eventually. That's how he got an audience with the king, because he sang songs to God and relieved the king's tormenting spirit. we got to get our thoughts fixed. Fixed. Isaiah 26.3 says it like this. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Not distracted, fixed. Jesus kept his thoughts fixed. What do you mean? Well, he says, I only do what I see the Father do. I only say what he tells me to say. That sounds like he was fixed on the Father. And if anybody had distractions in this world... It was a man walking around with thousands of people following him around. Can I touch your, him of your garment? Can I do this? Will you please come? Can you, uh, your mom and dad's out there. You know, we need to go here. The, they're trying to kill us over there. I mean, Jesus had a reason to be distracted. But he always made time for the Father. And he only did what the Father said. He was laser-like focused. And I believe he's trying to show us how we do it. When you keep your eyes on good things, good things will happen. When you keep your eyes on good things, good things will happen. What are you focusing on? Is Lisa here today? I didn't see Lisa. Lisa sent me a video the other day, and she said I couldn't help myself. She said, you preach about Rocky all the time. And I do. And I love Rocky. I've loved Rocky since the first Rocky movie since I was a little kid. <clears throat> when it first came out, I was, I was, I don't remember how old I was, probably 11 or 12, but I was, I remember being down at my grandma's house and I ran around the barn getting in shape and I'm, and I made me some weights out of some old tractor equipment and I was lifting, man. And da 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 I, even today when I hear that song, man, I just get fired up. And so she sent me this video. She says, I think this is, this is you uh, making Joshua watch this, you know. But anyway, watch that uh, Rocky baby video. Cut the volume up because it's real low on there. But let's hear that song.
<laughs> That's exactly the way I think we are to be. We are to be like the glove and, and with the, filled with the Spirit of God. We do exactly what we see the Father do. He had to move, memorize. He knew what God was going to do, or Rocky was going to do before he did it. Because he, he watched it, he, he focused, he fixed on that video. And that's the way we want to be. We want to, we want to do what God wants us to do. We want to be God's agents here on the earth. And you're thinking, Pastor, you're talking bad about the media, and here you sh you're using the media to teach the lesson. Everything on the media is not bad. I'm not saying that. But just be careful. Just be careful. I want to move when he moves. I want to move when he moves. And God saves his best for those of us who stay fixed on him. What do you mean? Well, you remember when the disciples were down there trying to cast a demon out and Jesus was up on the mountain praying and when he came down, they was all upset. I, we couldn't cast him out. They come running at you. Look, we couldn't do it. We don't know. And the people was coming. They, them idiots don't know what they're doing. Can you come do it? And so Jesus comes down there. He said, how long? How long must I? Be with you, faithless generation. Something along those lines. Anyway, he said, he cast the devil out. And they said, why couldn't we do it? Well, we've cast out devils before. He said, this, come, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. And then in another, uh, tell another story in a different gospel, it says, because you didn't have faith. See, we don't have the ability to, to do the things God would have us do because he can't trust us with the power. Because we're double-minded. He saves the best for those who keep their focus fixed on him, who guard their heart, who stay fixed under the shadow of the Almighty. you got to stay under that shadow. You can't run here every time you're distracted. Run over there. If you're a little kid in the mall, your parents want you right with them. You ever been in the mall? One time one of my kids went to the mall and, and uh, was hiding in the, in the clothes rack, one of those circular clothes racks. Man, we were panicking looking for that kid. I don't remember which one it was. Whew. We're about to close. I wrote this. Sometimes I, <clears throat> I just say it. Sometimes I write it. I wrote this. It's natural to feel vexed in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. It's natural to feel when you see other people doing it. But you don't need to be the one doing it. It's natural for us to feel like that poor cat thinking the horror is real because it is. <laughs> but we have to make a decision to guard our hearts, to live out of the overflow of love available to those of us who seek God first. See, God can keep you from the evil one. But you got to stay in the shadow. We need to be like that Rocky baby. Only do what we see the father do. That was a happy baby, wasn't it? You want joy? You want all your cares? Cast them on him? We want to say what we hear him say. And we must choose not to be vexed any longer. We can be upset about everything in the world. We have a right to be. But not everything that, that you have a right to is what's best for you. 
We can choose to be part of the solution instead of the problem. Our God is a safe tower. He is a refuge. He is a fortress. And if you feel like you're drowning, you can rise above, above the flood water in the ark of his love. That's how you do it. You don't, you don't stay underwater. You rise above. If you feel like you're knee deep in the muck and the mire of this earthly junk, then grab hold of the Holy Spirit and you'll soar on wings as eagles. You'll fly over it. Grab hold of the Spirit of God. And if one of us should fall, and at times we all do, let your brother pick you up. Don't be so prideful. I don't want anybody to know. That's why we confess our faults one to another, that we may be healed. That's why God gave us a church. And when you see your brother fall, you do the same for him. That's what we have that the world doesn't have, among many other things. We are the church. Love each other. Serve each other. Remember, there is a purpose to your life. The world don't think they have a purpose. They think they were born out of a big bang somewhere. They think they were pond scum that crawled out of the water and, or, or turned into a fish and crawled out and became a monkey. Am I making this up? They have no purpose. They see no purpose. We must be our purpose. Run your race. Don't get weary now. Here is, we're so close to the finish line. We're right there. Now is not the time to throw in the towel. Now we are closer than when we first believed. So much closer. Closer than you know. Now I don't expect all of us to get our TV sets and our telephones and, and throw them out on the curb. But also, I don't expect for our TVs and our cell phones to throw us out on the curb. So I'm going to ask you to do something. Because hearing a good message is great. But doing the will of God is better. I say let's fast the media for one day this week. Is that too, is that too much? One day? Pick a day. You pick the day this week. And put down your devices. Don't pick up the computer. Oh, some of you are cringing now. Don't do it. Put down the powers of the air for one day. Talk to live people. Introduce yourself to your family. <laughs> they might remember you. Get your Bible out of the closet. I don't know. Go on a walk without bringing your gun. Do something crazy. You know, let me just say this. Let me, it just came to me. The world is not as bad as the media makes it. We're seeing just the worst of the worst. Years ago, the, when the shark attacks were in the media, every time there was one, I was thinking, man, we can't even go in the ocean anymore. It's shark attacks. Are, and then I looked back several years later, and that year that we thought was so bad, it was a down year in shark attacks. The media had hyped it up. And so, live life. I have noticed that there can be strain on race relations. There can be strain on all these things on the media. But when I go to the grocery store, we're still smiling and hugging. 
and still loving. It's not the way the media portrays it. It's hyping people up to be what they want them to be to bring the division. We're all just people. So do something crazy this week. Enjoy life. The sun is still coming up in the morning. Still going down in the afternoon. The stars are still coming out. Sometimes the clouds come by, but they bring the rain. All things that God set into motion are still going. Let's remember that God has got this. He's still on the throne. He's not freaking out. Let's give him the preeminence in our heart again. No no matter where you're at, and no matter what state of vexation that you feel right now, you're just one, one decision away saying, God, I cast my cares on you, and I'm not picking them up again. God's not vexed, and neither should we allow ourselves to be. Don't lose your focus. Fix your thoughts on Jesus, because I've read the back of the book, and we win. We win every time. It's set in stone. Word of God, he cannot lie. It's impossible. It's etched in eternity. We win. He guarantees it, so I can too. And I'm your pastor, and I approve this message. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Hey!